0: We now begin Masechus Gitin and this will be the general introduction. Masechus Gittin, as I think most people will know, is the Masech that deals with the topic of Gerishin, which is halachic divorce, um, and the, the process starts really when a marriage is formed in the first place, as also, I think... Most people know Jewish marriages come in two stages. The first stage, called erisin or kedushin, is what affects legal marriage and restricts a woman to marry anybody else. And from that point onwards, even if they don't go to the next stage of uh, nisuin, which is affected by chuppah, still she remains forbidden to everybody until that connection between her and her husband is severed, which can happen in one of two ways. Either the husband can die or he can divorce her. Um through a process called Gerishin using what we call a get. That's the name of the Mesekas Gitten. So the difference is if the husband would die and that alone um, she would be free to go, but the difference is twofold. First of all, a woman who is separated from her husband through a death um, becomes an almana who is permitted to marry a kohen, whereas a woman who's divorced by means of a get is called a grusha and she is forbidden to marry a kohen. Note that uh and a manna can't marry a Kohen Gadol, however. The second difference is the mitzvah of yibum, which we learned before, um, kicks in only when a man dies without any living offspring, and he has a wife at that point if he died, so she has the, gets entangled in the process of, of yibum. She has a Zika connection to her brother-in-law. Whereas if she's divorced, so then there's no applicability to the halachas of, of Yibam to her, even if after she's divorced, her ex-husband would die without children, it wouldn't matter, she wouldn't fall to Yibam, she's free to marry whoever she wants. Now, the whole, whole topic of gerishin halachic divorce really boils down to two psukim in the Torah. They're in Parsha's Kiteitze, it's a chapter 24 of Devarim, and it says, Ki yikach isha uvala, when a man takes a woman to be his wife, yikach, that's already the talk of uh, like Erison, and he marries her and lives with her, but that's not essential in truth for Githen, as I said before, that has to do with what goes on later on in the Parsha, this, this section of the Torah. And it will be that if she doesn't find favor in his eyes, because he found in her some immoral thing, unseemly thing, then he will write for her a safer a bill of Croesus of severance, that's gonna be the get. Venasan Biyada, he placed it in her hand, Vishilcha Mebeso, and he sends her from his house. V'yata Mebeso, she leaves his house, v'alcha and she goes, and she becomes um to be married to another man. The parsha continues on, but the Halachas with respect of of Gerish and of Gitin really only come from those two psukim. Now you saw the word get doesn't appear in that psukhm at all because get is really a rabbinic uh, word. The rabbis invented it. And in truth is, the word get refers to any kind of legal contract. It could even just like an IOU contract. It's technically called a get as well. However, most of the time when you talk about getin, a get is referring to someone which serves a connection between a husband and wife or a get shechru which would separate a master from a servant. The gra, I think, is quite famous. Phil Nagon points out that um, the letters gimel and tet that spell get don't appear anywhere side by side anywhere in the whole of the chumash even if it's not even like the last of one word is the gimel and the first letter of the next word is ametet and so on they don't appear back to back and therefore the graab points out that's an important uh, I should say uh, appropriate word to choose for the vehicle which severs Mm -hmm. the connection between husband and wife Tosos also learns that the word get is significant as much as the gemash of get is 12 and therefore the custom is to write a get as we have them on 12 lines Okay, now although the pasuk says it has to be, a, it should be a sefer, which means something like a, a scroll, a book, a uh, document. The truth is that the get can be written on anything; it could be a you know just a piece of metal or something, uh, anything. It doesn't matter as long as that thing isn't attached to the ground, not like, machuba and it can be written essentially with anything as long as the thing that the like the ink that's being used to write with is something which is um, leaves a permanent mark. Can't be erased because if it didn't leave a permanent mark, of course, you wouldn't have evidence of a divorce. And if it could be erased fully, so then it opens the possibility of of zihf of, of um, forgery. Okay, and therefore, but outside of those bounds, anything really could work um, to be this vehicle for creating the severance. Um, what's essential is that on the document is written a a Lushen of Croesus, an expression that says clearly. This serves as the vehicle by which you are now divorced. So, if you wrote something like, you are divorced, that would certainly be effective. But he could say something a little more obscure, even like, you know, you're on your own now, that would also be effective. Or, you know, l'chol adam, equally effective. What it can't be, however, is that since it has to be that he is divorcing her, if he wrote, you're no longer my wife, that would work. But if he would say, I'm no longer your husband, that Would not work because not that he's leaving her, it's that she's being sent from him. Now, speaking of what's written there in terms of English, they get in truth be written in any language, um, however, and really in any ksav, in any kind of writing, any kind of font. But um, the halach has become that unless you have some sort of hak, sad circumstance, it's written in Aramaic um, in ksav which is the same font that's used to write Sefer Torah today, and therefore you it's typically written by a sofa someone who's, you know, a sofer's thumb is expert in writing mezuzahs and so on, because it needs to be written exactly in that same, that same kind of print, with the same kind of materials. Now um, on the get, aside from that one expression of, you know, you're sent from me, you're divorced. um, Also is included the names of husband and wife, as well as the date of this particular contract. It's brought down, that also the place from where they come should be included in the get, although the halacha, we no longer do that anymore. We don't put in the contract where they came from. They also identify the people. Now we have other ways to identify them. Um, as well as um, you need signatures of two witnesses and the time and place at which they did the signing of the get. So that's the whole get. So the get really comes in two parts. Um, there's what's called the toref and the tofes, okay? The toref, the word toref means much as like exposes or reveals, like... um. Chazal referred to a woman's private parts as Makam Turpa, like an exposing place. So the Torah is where the details are revealed regarding this particular contract. In this case, the name, the, everything I just said, the names of the, the people involved and, and the, you know, where they're from, date, and so on. Um, other parts of the get, which are standardized, which would be included in every get, which is described the consequences of being divorced and so on. So that's called the Tofes. The Tofes just means like the form, Okay, to the form like a boilerplate form language that goes on every single um get equally now um as far as far as um this get has to be handed over to her. The Pasuk says, he puts it into her hand. The truth is, it doesn't need to go directly into her hand, it has to be going to her rasha. So if the husband delivers the get not into her hand, but into her backyard, which is you know enclosed, and it's, it's her, she has control over it, so that would equally be considered to be delivering it to her. More than that, we have a klal that applies throughout kolotu t'ukula that adam <laughs> kamoso, a person's agent is an extension of himself. And therefore, if the husband uses a shaliach, an agent, to send his um, to deliver his get, that's called an. Those are called. That's called a shaliach laholacha, an agent for delivering the get, and that would also be effective. And she too, the wife, can appoint what's called a shaliach lakabala, a agent to receive the get on her behalf. What's essential is since it's when the. Wife receives her get, that's the moment at which she is divorced. So, therefore, if the husband uses an aid for holacha, excuse me, a shaliach for holacha, so then it's when the shaliach la delivers it into her hands. If she uses a shaliach for Kabbalah, so then it's when the shaliach la Kabbalah receives it. And if they're both using it shaliachim, so it'd be when the shaliach la that he sent delivers it into the hand of the shaliach la Kabbalah that she sent. At that point, she'd be divorced. Okay, now we said there need to be adim witnesses for this. Now the witnesses that are involved in the writing of a get serve a function which is not like witnesses in many other cases. We understand um, based on a geziras shava that these m- witnesses are essential to effect the divorce per se. In other words, um, when I give you money. And then if I have witnesses, maybe I can enforce getting repaid. But you still owe the money, you 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 got the money, whether or not witnesses observed it. The witnesses would just be there to be mevarer, to clarify that the event happened, if I want to, you know, get my money back. However, when it comes to adim for a davar shir be'erva, matters that affect marital law, so the rule is that there needs to be two adim for Kium to establish and effectuate the event itself. That's learned out of a Xerosh, shava because here it says in our Parsha on Gittin, it says, Ki matza ba ervas davar, you find some unseemly immoral thing, a davar, a matter about her. And the other Pasuk elsewhere that talks about al pishne yakum davar, I kind of paraphrase that Pasuk, but the point is the word davar in both make for shava that you need to have two witnesses to be make him to effect the davar, the matter that has bearing on our marriages. So, for example, we said even in Sota, the previous Masechta, when the husband does kinuy on his on his wife, putting her on notice that she can't seclude with some man, she needs to. He needed to do that in front of two witnesses to effect the act called kinui. Similarly, in marriage, you know, the kidushin, that first step which affects the legal marriage, is the husband gives the wife the ring and says, mm-hmm. and she takes the ring and she's married by taking the ring. So you need to have two witnesses that observe that. If she took the ring and there are no witnesses, she's simply not married. It's not that we don't know what happens, we can't enforce the marriage. And the same is true by divorce as well. For the get to be delivered, you need to have two witnesses. The aid, witnesses here are Eide kium, they effect the divorce, and therefore, without the two cultural witnesses, even if he did write the get like I described up to now, and he gave it to her hand, she's still not divorced. Now, there's a very fundamental machlokus that crops up all over the Masechta regarding exactly what these witnesses are witnessing, what their what their role is. So, according to Rav Meir, the witnesses here are called ede. His rule is ede chasima Karsi, The what effects caress, what effects the uh, the severance of this. Contract of this bill, this get is the signatures of the witnesses, and therefore we need to have two witnesses signing on the contract. And their signatures are what effectuate the contract, um, and therefore make the divorce um, able to be done with this get. It's actually machlokus in the Rishonim. If you need separate witnesses at all to even deliver the get, according to um, Rabbi tom yes, you need to have witnesses. In addition to observe him handing this signed get over to her. But according to Riff, you don't. As long as the Adim, according to Ramair, if the Adim signed on the get and then he delivers it to her without witnesses, she's still divorced, according to the Riff. In any case, Rabbi Elazar disagrees, Elazar Alazar holds that there it's a de Messira Carsi, that it's the witnesses observing the handing over of the get. To this woman, her receiving it, the Messirah, is what effects the severance, and therefore, according to Rabbi Elazar, there actually, Elazar, there actually isn't any requirement for the there to be witnesses at all signing on the get. It's about witnesses observing the handing over the get, and therefore, the signatures of the gets actually are of the witnesses on the get are really is, is non-essential whatsoever. As it happens, the Allah is like Rabbi Elazar, and we do ever always sign. To witnesses onto a get and the reasons because what Chazal referred to as tikun olam meaning um, just a pragmatic a practical consideration which is if a woman uh, is holding a get that she got from her husband and now the witnesses which observed the handing over of the get have meanwhile well disappeared they died they moved on to Timbuktu so how will she prove in court she 's divorced so at least if she has a get that has signatures from kosher witnesses even if the witnesses are no longer here at least she can um, Establish a halachic presumption, a chazaka, that there's, there's an umdena here, there's a basis to believe that she really is divorced because she has a get that's signed by witnesses in hand. Um, without those signatures, um, if she had no witnesses present, she couldn't prove that she was divorced in the first place. Okay, the halachas are like, like I said, so these are really, really edem, sira, or and it's about the watching, the handing over of the get. Um, but that, therefore, makes for a major nafkamina, a major difference in the two, and that is in the issue of lishma, Okay, there's a requirement separate. that it says that he has to be the one who writes the kasa of la, he has to write it. It has to be that it's written la for her and not for somebody else. So the requirement is that this get has to be a get that was created specifically to divorce this specific woman. In other words, hypothetically, if a person had two wives, both named Sarah, and he was planning on divorcing the older one, and you wrote a get that says... Here I am, Avram, and I'm divorced from my wife, Sarah. But then, you know, he changed his mind and said, I'd rather get rid of the younger one, and he gives it to her. She would not be divorced because the get wasn't written lishma. The get wasn't written for the sake of divorcing this particular woman, this particular Sarah. Okay? So, according to Rabbi Elazar and the halacha, the witnesses role are to watch the messiah, the handing over, and the lishmanis, the requirement for it to be done for its own sake and for the divorcing of this particular woman, um, that has to be with the writing of the. The get, the, as I described. However, according to a mayor, since the essential writing of the get is the signatures of the witnesses, it's those signatures that have been in the shema. And the truth is, according to a mayor, if you had a get that was sort of taken off the shelf, that was created in a, in a you know, a sophist class, where they were, you know, writing in a get and leaving blanks open, you know, to be filled in later on or something, that would be, according to a mayor, acceptable as a get, because as long as the witnesses signed the Shema, even if the get was in draft the Shema, that would be acceptable. Okay, now, an essential component of the get to be halakhly binding is it has to be an expression of the, the volition, the will, the ratzon of the Baal, of the husband. Um, so he has to choose and want and opt to be divorcing his wife. On the flip side, we don't need her ratzon at all. We don't need her to be agreeable whatsoever. So that means that a husband, Midorais, is able to divorce his wife, Baal Karcha, against her will. If he wants to divorce her, that is, he's authorized to do so, and we don't need her consent for it to make it effective. Now, um, there is a famous question, um sometimes they, the Bezdin will him that a person has to give his wife a get, let's say when he's not living up to the obligations of his ksuba and so on, the Bezdin says you have to divorce your wife. If, But let's say he says, I don't want to, so we're stuck. So Din is essentially that we force him to, by essentially beating him up, twist him up, pulls arm behind, you know, twists his arm behind his back or something, whatever it is, until he says, yes, yes, wrote Ani, yes, I want to give it. At that point, you say, fine, and then he authorizes shaliach to write the get, and it's delivered, and she's divorced. So the question is, well, wait a second. He really only said he wants to, because under duress, because his arm was twisted, you know, behind his back, and he was screaming in pain. So how could that be not al Karcho against his will? So Rambam famously says, the very famous Rambam in Hilchus Gerish, in, in the second paracol, 20, 220, um, the Ram says that really every Jew wants to do the right thing, and if the bezin said he should give a get, he wants to give a get. It's just that the yitzhar has the better of him, and when we beat him up, we're just beating up the yitzhar to weaken it, so he'll loosen his grip on the man, so we can say like I really want to do what I what I'm supposed to do. And based on that, we say it's binding, and that is taken the halacha quite seriously. Okay, so um, but importantly, in a situation where and this is super important in, nowadays, in a situation where a bezin hasn't poskined that a man has to like halakhly required to divorce his wife. So then any kfiyah, any forcing of him to give a get actually makes the get invalid. This is very important and makes things very complicated because there are rules say for example in, in um in Israel for sure, as well as in America, where a husband who's a husband who's refor- refusing to let divorce his wife, so she's kinda of trapped, right? She can't remarry, um they kind of put him in jail or whatever, impose other kinds of penalties on him. So if he says, Listen, I don't go to jail, and he and he uh because he doesn't like jail, he agrees to give the get, that very well could be considered to be kfiyah, forcing him, it's bal cho, against his will, and therefore, the get is not actually a kosher get, invalid, and the wife, if she remarries and has children, those children be mamzerim. So it's very complicated. Okay? Now, Rabbeinu Gershom who was known as Maor HaGola, the light of the exile, um, who was, he was Rashi's, Rebbe's Rebbe, essentially, he lived roughly in the year 1000, the Kamira, in the city of Mainz, in Germany. So, He made several important innovations. Um, One of them, he made a cheirim against anybody who divorces his wife against her will. So since that time, since the time of Rabbeinu Gerashim, at least Ashkenazi Jewry are not permitted to divorce their wives against their will. Um, They have to be agreeable to it. And therefore, certainly in Ashkenazi circles, and really it's pretty much universal now, um, Divorces are always essentially negotiated settlements because the wife doesn't have to accept the get until she gets terms that she, agree, she agrees upon. Um, that's not to be confused with something else. Rabbi Gershom made other enactments as well. One of them is he forbade a man, another charem, to marry more than one wife. Okay, and that was binding on Ashkenazi Jewry. Um, so that's the custom of marrying more than one wife ended at that point, if it accepted ever existed before you'll note, I've paid attention. As far as I know, there's nowhere in Shas that I remember ever seeing, and I kept my eyes open now for quite a while, that has a story about an Amora or a Tana who had two wives, um, except in some weird, like, for some really weird halachic necessity. But in terms of maintaining two wives, you do not see you do not see this as being um, something that was normative in, in Jewish life. But in any case, Rabbeinu Gershom forbade it. That topic of the Rebbe Tzidkunah to, kind of sur- to not marry them more than one wife and and um, this issue about the hetr meir and stuff that has nothing to do with Gershon our topic directly okay it's not not the top point here um, but Rabbi Gershon's against divorcing wife against her will certainly does have have relevance alak l'maisa now um, as far as the get being given, the get has to be a safer krisos, which means it has to be definitive in its severance between his and her relationship. So he can't make conditions where he says, um, you're divorced on condition that you never drink wine again or go to Timbuktu ever again, or something like that. That doesn't work because since his imposition of that rule sits on her forever, he's still got his like fingers in her life. He's not totally nihras he's not totally severed from her. Because okay, so that's not acceptable, and that, such a condition would not be effective. But other conditions, um, which the person says, listen, you won't be divorced till next Tuesday, or you're not divorced till you go to Timbuktu, and when she gets to Timbuktu, so then that get is effective, but she won't be divorced until Tuesday, or until she goes to Timbuktu. So he can't force her to live in Timbuktu forever, but he can say the get won't be effective until she goes to Timbuktu, um, you know, I'll call it one time. Okay, that's a separate rule about the Tanayim that are conditions that can be put on a, on a get. Um, now, finally, just for a moment, in terms of the hashkafa of giving again. So, we'll see at the end of the Masech, there new exactly, you know, when it's appropriate to give a wife again. So, laha let me summarize like this. It's clear that a husband can, he has the power and the authority to divorce his wife for any reason or no reason, ignoring Rabbeinu Gershom, even if the Bezun doesn't agree to it, even if... She doesn't agree to it, even if it's for no good reason, other than he just decided that he's in a bad mood, and that would be effective. She'd be divorced. Um, but that doesn't mean that's how he should behave. The Pusik says, ki matzaba ervas davar, um, for he found some unseemly immoral thing about her. And Rosh learns in the pasach there, as do others, that in the event that he finds that his wife is immoral, that she has um, crossed red lines that make her not... Like, nothing to do with his relationship with her. But in and of herself, she is living a life which is not befitting a nice Jewish woman. So then he has a mitzvah to divorce her. That's how Rashi learns. Um, But that's nothing to do with how he and she get along. It's just that she herself is over all sorts of red lines which make them someone who he shouldn't be attached to. But beyond that, if a person wants to divorce his wife, so we have Pasen La'alacha, that if it's a first wife... So, then he shouldn't divorce his wife without this crossing those red lines, even if she is essentially malicious and a pain in the neck, it's called a poshea. So, that means, like, the example given is that she burns his food, so she's actually malicious and she's difficult. But still, just because they're fighting amongst themselves, that's not a good reason to divorce your wife, um, for her first wife, anyways, and he should retain her. And um, the Chazal quote a puzzle from Micha essentially saying that the even the mizbeach, the altar, sheds a tear over a first marriage getting dissolved, and that's very sad, and therefore a person should do his utmost in a first marriage to not um, opt for divorce, even if the wife is difficult to deal with, and even a posheya, she's malicious in how she behaves him, um, but not crossing those halachic red lines. As far as the second wife goes, so then um, it's more relaxed, meaning that if she is a posheya, and if she's like, you know burning his food or something on purpose, so then she doesn't care to be a good wife, and therefore he is within his rights. I mean, Hashkafik, he's allowed to divorce her, that second marriage. At all events, even though he could divorce her for any reason or no reason, even a second wife, it's simply not appropriate, it's not the right thing to do to divorce his wife, not for a good reason, meaning, like, let's say, for example, he just had enough of her, or he found somebody he likes more than her, um, to divorce a woman because he want to marry someone else, for that reason, uh, is absolutely the wrong thing to do, um, even if you're talking uh, about a second wife and so on. Um, rather, a person is... As the Rama Baskin is a person supposed to oh, love his wife like himself, and to the and to honor her um, more than he honors himself, and that's the recipe for happy marriage. And as Hashem, although we're learning Maseches uh, Gittin now, we uh, will have no need to know how to implement it lamaisa.